Thank you. It's a pleasure to be, to be with you. <clears throat> it's awesome to be preaching the Word um, with you. Um, I want to I introduce, I think they're back. Uh, yes, okay. Um, so my name is Isa, as Pastor Paul said, and uh, I, am, uh, I was born in the States, New York, but I grew up in Jordan, <clears throat> and I came back to the States in 2001, went to seminary, worked a little bit for 11, 12 years, and, uh, and then I, I got married to, to my wife in 2009, uh, the year I also graduated from seminary, and uh, um, <clears throat> we went back in 2013, back to, to Jordan. We've been there for five years. We worked for, with the refugees for two years, um, and then we planted the church. Our heart is uh, church planning, <clears throat> and uh, we value the local church. Um, we believe that God's word says that the church is the center of God's activity in this world, that we are um, the, the ones that God uses us to save the world. Um, so we value you. We value the church. We value the local church. Um, and my wife, uh, she's sitting right there. If you can stand, beautiful wife is Abby. Um, and we uh, recently, six months ago, adopted uh, uh, four kids, our beautiful, wonderful kids uh, from Colombia. Uh, <clears throat> Gloria. She's seven, and Emmanuel, he's six, and Mr. Shepherd, uh, he's four, and baby Gideon is two. Um, you know, people tell us that you guys are crazy to go to Jordan to plant a church, but even crazier to um, adopt four kids at the same time. Uh, but we love it. They're so um, good, so wonderful. We are blessed. Uh, for sure, to have them. Um, and the church loved them. Everybody at church, we were scared, you know, at the beginning. Uh, what's going to happen with the ministry? Are we going to lose the ministry? Um, but lo- the Lord gave us uh, grace. And uh, the people um, come to church uh, n- nowadays, like, they just come to church to see our kids, not so much to hear my preaching. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's a blessing. They've been um, a blessing to us. Um, let's open um, the Word of God in Colossians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 6, uh, but I'm going to be talking um, through like um, chap- uh, verse 2, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well. That God will open up to us a door for the word. So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. For which I have also been imprisoned. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. 
or the ESV says, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know uh, how you should respond to each person. You guys use the ESV. I, I'm using the NASB. Um, <clears throat> um, I'll, I'll refer to the ESV as uh, a little bit um, it, it throughout my, my sermon. Um, I just want to give you an outline of those a um, uh, couple of verses. This, this passage is talking about evangelism, missions. It's talking about preaching the word, proclaiming God's, God's word. In uh, verse uh, 2, uh, it gives us the preparation of, for prayerful evangelism. It's uh, to remove any obstacles in the way of our evangelism, to reach out, to, be, to go uh, <clears throat> and be uh, a light in this world. Uh, verses 3 and 4 t- gives us the content of uh, prayerful evangelism or missions. Um, the content is, is um, uh, that God would open the doors for us to preach the gospel. Uh, verse 3a. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word. It's got, it's, it starts with God. that We have to pray to God in order for God to open the, the doors. And also, the content is to speak with boldness. Uh, he says, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned. To speak forth, to, to speak clearly and with boldness, um, the word. And, and thirdly, to speak with clarity. In verse 4, it says that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. When we speak and, and um, proclaim the gospel, we want to be clear. We want people to understand what we're saying. And verses 5 and 6, it gives us the uh, convictions of prayerful evangelism and missions. Is, uh, firstly, uh, is evangelism is intentional and strategic. It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom. And I'm going to talk about a little bit more about the, the word conduct. The word conduct is the way of life, is, is the, your daily life. It's, it's uh, when you live your life, you go to work and you go shopping, um, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And secondly, is evangelism is thoughtful. You don't just say any words. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Um, I want to give you kind of a, like a story. I want to share a story from an Iraqi family that visited our church and got saved in our church and, and kind of pray and um, look, in, look deeper into verse, uh, verse 2. Um, <clears> There's <throat> a family, Iraqi family that migrated to Canada recently but lived in Jordan before, before that and uh, was introduced to Christ uh, at our church. Um, they came... They called me one day and they said, we have, we have a marriage problem, uh, we want to see you. And I told them, Christ will save your, your marriage. God, God can, can redeem your marriage. And they came um, by God's grace. Um, and we started talking and they, they started uh, you know, seeing their, their sinful parents. And, uh, um, and then they, st- they came a second time and a third time. And then they started coming to church. And God saved them by, by his grace. I never shared the gospel with them directly. 
Um, but I, I was trusting that God's word will, will reveal their hearts and will turn, help, help them to turn from, uh, from their sins. And they uh, wrote um, recently to, to us and they said, Etihad Khalda Church is a cause of a blessing to so many people. May the Lord bless you, my brothers and sisters, that you would always be a pillar of light in the name of Christ Jesus. Um, I wanted to share with you all that Nassim and I accepted the Lord Jesus and were in church for the first time two years ago. We are for the Lord Jesus Christ as sons and servants. I'm translating from, from Arabic. I thank God for the church, um, church's support of us, and I thank God for allowing us to be introduced to a church like that. Etihad Khalda. I miss you all and I love you all. Pray for us always. This is what Jesus does. Jesus sets people free from their sins. Doesn't he? He sets us from our sins and guilt and uses us as servants for his, for his glory. I praise God for Nassim and Maryam. And, and we feel that there are missionaries in Canada um, and uh, been sent out. So I, I, let us uh, pray and, and just uh, allow the Lord to speak to us through his word, convict us, change our hearts and minds uh, right now. Let's pray. Lord God, help me to be a clear communicator. Help me to um, develop my thoughts clearly. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts. Burden our hearts. Let us desire to see the wonders in your word, Lord. And help us, Lord, to not be hearers, but doers of the word, Lord. Help us to see the magnificence of God's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no one like you, Lord. Nothing compares to you. Let us adore you, Lord. Help us to calm our hearts right now and see the beauty of your word, Lord. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In verse 2, Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping uh, alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Um, my title is uh, Removing the Obstacles. Um, there's three obstacles that stands away of our evangelism or missions. And we want to remove those obstacles. Number one, it's our persistent failure in temptation and sin. That we <clears throat> keep sinning and sinning and we don't know the way out. Um, and Paul says, devote yourselves to, to prayer. Devotion to prayer assists us in our temptations and sins. Our persistent failure in temptation and sin either brings us closer to God or drives us away from, from God. Falling in sin and being consumed with our own failure of sinful habits drain our lives, doesn't it? In my own life, I struggle with so many, so many things, but one of the things that I struggle with is fear, fear of people. Um, and I'm standing here I'm, and I'm, I'm scared. My heart is like, poof, 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 poof. Um, I'm scared. I don't know why God used me as a public speaker, as preacher, but God does. <laughs> um, and I'm thankful for that. But it just keeps us away from being effective, from doing everything that we could possibly do. 
It just keeps our hearts in sorrow, grief, rubs our joy and happiness. It creates depression and worldly sorrow and grief that breaks the soul. <clears throat> Paul, in, uh, after his, <clears throat> sorry, uh, <clears throat> David, after his confession in, in Psalm 51, in Psalm 32, he gives us kind of the, the grief process that he went through because what, what was I doing? Why, why didn't I ask forgiveness long time ago? He says in, in Psalm 32, 3 through 4, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of, of summer. This is what happens in our lives when we struggle with our sin, when we don't know what to do. We want to experience sorrow, godly sorrow, that leads us to repentance. In 2 Corinthians, I love these verses, and chapter 7, you don't have to go there, I'm just going to read these um, in verses 9 through 10, it says, I now rejoice, not that you, you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. This is the type of sorrow that we want to experience. The sorrow over my sin and how awful that was against God, against his holy nature. And repent and turn away. Um, I love this, uh, the, this verse. I, was just, I wasn't prepared to share it. But in First um, John, we all know it, but we, we some randomly believe it. Um, in... 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, that he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from every unrighteousness. If we, this is the, God's requirement. If you want a life, you want salvation, you want to come to him, be not experience that worldly sorrow and grief over your sin, is to confess your sin. The word confess is to just simply agree with God. That God, I agree with you that my sin is so great, so awful, that it was offensive to your holy nature, that I want to leave it, Lord. I don't want to continue in my sin. I want to acknowledge that you are my creator, that you are my savior, that you are the one that died for my place. I want to live for you, Lord. That's, that's when we experience God's kindness, God's um, love in our lives. That God is faithful, that he's consistent. He's not going to tell you like, oh, this is your million times that you sinned against me the same way. He's never going to tell you that. He is just. I was like, I was wondering, I was like, why, why just? He's going to forgive me my sin. Why does, it, does he mention like God's justice? Because our sin is forgiven based on the work of Christ, on the cross. That Christ took our penalty. And he died on the cross on our behalf. Um, in, in chapter 6 of Isaiah, 
Isaiah 6, uh, God calls Isaiah and, and you know, see the progression of the <clears throat> passage in chapter 6. And in the verse 1 through 4, Isaiah confronted by the character of God, that he, God, is holy. The seraphims uh, are saying, holy, holy, holy. The repetition is the emphasis of God's holiness, purity. And what Isaiah was confronted by that. And in, in verses 5 through <clears throat> 7, Isaiah says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. This is where we always dwell, right? We don't go past through this, um, Woe is me, self-pity. God, I am a sinner. I sinned against you. But, but Isaiah continues, Because I am a man of unclean lips. He confesses. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with, with tongues. This is God's forgiveness, God's faithfulness and justice that forgives us all of our sins and cleanses us from every unrighteousness. And then God would send this prophet. He's in verses 8 through 13. He said, Then I heard a voice of the, of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Before, <clears throat> as we allow ourselves to humbly pray and allow the standard of God's holiness, holy character to confront our sinful sinfulness, we are more ready to be used by God. In order to be useful to the king, we need to turn to him in repentance. Paul gives us the remedy to resist the devil, to stand against temptation. He says, devote yourselves to, to prayer. The word uh, devote is, <clears throat> in the ESV, continue steadfastly. It's a present um, <coughs> active tense and an imperative. It's a present in the simple Greek. It's a, it's a continuous action. It's not just a one-time uh, um, event. It's a, it's a continual devotion to prayer. Stead, continue steadfastly in, in prayer. It's active. You have to, you, the, the subject, we, um, yourselves, active about that. An imperative. It's God commanding that. Devote yourselves to, to prayer. The word devote is uh, used uh, multiple times in, in Acts. It's, uh, it speaks about the, the early church. They were devoted themselves to prayer. They were consistent. They were faithful in, those, in, the, in these things. This was the practice of the early, uh, early church, and this is often in the New Testament is, is connected with prayer. In Romans 12, 12, he says, Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation, devoted to, to prayer. Um, we are to be devoted, persistent in, in prayer. You know, in prayer, God gives us a, a better perspective of our sin, of our temptations, of, our, of the world around us. Um, at least in this context, there's uh, um, several, maybe one thing that um, he mentioned in verse 6, let your speech always be with, with grace. When we pray, we are better prepared to say, Lord, help me today in the way I speak. 
Help me today in, in the way I will present myself before, before others, in the way I use my tongue. We need to be careful. This verb means to continue doing something, to put, putting uh, forth intense effort, to possibly implying in, in spite of difficulties. Prayer is uh, where we start. Prayer where, we, where the battlefield begins and ends. John Owen says, If we do not abide in prayer, devote yourselves in prayer, we will abide in temptation. Let this be one aspect of our daily intercession. God, preserve my soul and keep my heart in all its ways so that I will not be entangled. When this is true of our lives, a passing temptation will not overcome us. We will remain free while others lie in bondage. God has given us the formula to healing. Come to God's, God's throne. Prayer is a spiritual luxury. It's not a spiritual luxury. It is essential for growth. Prayer as vital to one's spiritual health as breathing is to one's physical health. Should be continual without, without <clears throat> ceasing. I pray that we devote ourselves in, in prayer, that we would develop that, that faithfulness in, in prayer. Devote yourselves to, to prayer. You know, one of the things that Jesus was mentioning is that to the disciples when he was praying in the um, um, garden, that he says, pray, be, wa- you know, be watchful and pray so you do not go through temptation or fall into temptation. You know, Satan in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, Satan is a restless enemy, adverser. adverser. He, um, in chapter 6 of, uh, of <clears throat> Ephesians, talks about our enemy, um, and he um, describes him this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 um, and through, through 12. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle, our um, (coughs) um, boxing match, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's like a, a match, you know, between you and the, and the devil. The devil will not give you opportunity to stand up. If you are knocked down, the Satan will keep knocking you down. But the only way to be strong, to be strengthened, is to devote ourselves to, to prayer. It's to st- spend time with God, to, to be able to be strengthened by his grace, by his might. In... Um, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 it says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, to devour. You know, I tell my, our people, is like, Satan hates you. He's never for you. He wants you to be knocked down. But the way to fight is we... Uh, as we devote ourselves to, to prayer. Praying without ceasing. 
devote yourselves to prayer. Paul, in verse 2, gives us another obstacle that could stand against our way in evangelism and missions. Second is our entanglement with the world. Our entanglement with the world. He says, keeping alert in it. Keeping alert in it. Keeping alert um, is also a participle. It's a present active uh, participle. It's a, um, the, the first participle that's dependent on the first the verb. The main verb is devote is the main verb. Um, in the ESV, being watchful uh, in it. The word is to be watchful, to, to be vigilant, to be attentive, to stay awake, to remain alive, to be, to be alive. It's, uh, it's used uh, probably like 22 times in the uh, New Testament. It's, uh, in the gospel, it's, uh, it's used like in two contexts uh, in Acts. It's uh, used of, of the coming um, of Christ that we need to be watchful, ready, alert, um, as, as Christ will come soon. Uh, or <clears throat> the second context is when Christ was praying in the garden and, uh, and asked the disciples to be watchful and pray and to not be asleep. In the, in the, <clears throat> um, in the uh, letters or epistles, uh, the rest of the New Testament use, it's always used of like to be ready, alert, watchful as well. It's connected a lot of times with, with the coming of, of Christ, at least with the letters that speaks about the coming of Christ, like First, First Thessalonians and Revelation. Um, also uh, has an element of like there's a, an imminent danger. There is a danger that we're going to be facing that we need to be watchful. It's, it's used of a, a guard on post, a post. It's it's a if if someone is on post as a guard he's he's watchful he's uh, the enemies are going to be approaching any times so you don't know when but you need to be ready all the time. As Christians, we need to be watchful. We need to be ready. We need to be on guard. We need to always be ready to face the enemy. In Matthew twenty four verse forty three says, "Therefore be on alert." For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. This uh, passage, the context of this passage is, refers to the story of Noah and how the people at the time of Noah were living, um, living in a, they were getting married, like living a life that's worldly. But Noah lived a watchful life, alert uh, uh, life. Um, the context is, context is uh, to be watchful and alert about worldly things, about uh, against spiritual drowsiness caused by attention to the world and the things of this of this world. Um, in First Corinthians sixteen through uh, thirteen says, "Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong." You know, a lot of us uh, these days, especially in in America. It's like holiness is an old school, isn't it? To be pure for the Lord, to, cease, to be set apart for God, his use, to seek his holiness. Um, uh, 
the logo is like, don't be dumb. We want to be to have fun. I, I, we drove from you know, Sacramento down to, to San Diego, and, and we see um, you know, a major difference. In, in Sacramento, you see a lot of families in the cars. In San Diego, you see a lot of young people in the cars. They just want to have fun. They want the ocean. They want to enjoy their time. We believe the lies rather than the truth of God's, God's word. We know more about our latest technology. If I ask you about your phone, you're going to probably tell me everything that you know about your phone, don't you? That's how we buy our phones. I want the latest camera to take pictures, to put it on Instagram, on Facebook, and Twitter. Can we put pictures on Twitter? I don't know. Um, I just came up with that. If they put up pictures, it's my idea. Uh, <laughs> if I ask each one of you today about your, um, what's a good restaurant to go to today, you will tell me, this restaurant and this restaurant and this restaurant, this serves good burger. This serves good Italian food. If you want Mexican food, you go to this place. We know all the details we know how much they are. We know the ingredients. But if I ask you today, can you share the gospel with me? Can you tell me the steps of how I can receive Jesus Christ as my king and as my savior? We will stumble through the, the concept of the gospel. Don't we? We will struggle to find um, passages that speaks about God's holiness about God's love, about our, the depth of our sin. How well first you are in your culture that you live in. Going back to Jordan <clears throat> gave me a, really a, like coming to the States prepared me to go back to Jordan better because I, it just brought me out of the, the like the kind of Unwillingness to uh, examine your own culture and helped me to think through, like, what's, where, where are the problems in the church in Jordan? And one of the probably the biggest problem in Jordan is weak teaching. Um, churches are so weak. Therefore, evangelism is so weak. Jordan is not a saturated um, country with the gospel. People don't know the gospel, don't know who Jesus Christ is, don't know that sin is so grievous to, to God's holy character, don't know the gospel that, that is written in, in the New Testament and Old Testament, in the Bible. And that's probably one of the main reasons that, that um, motivated us as, as a couple to go back to, to Jordan. I was like thinking... Let me just go to um, Turkey. I don't want uh, to go to my own country to um, be tempted by my family <clears throat> not to be able to evangelize and, and preach the gospel freely. Because, you know, in, in, in Jordan, in the Middle East, it's a, it's, if you, something happens with you, it's, it's basically with your whole family. It brings shame to your whole family. And I don't want anything to stand away in preaching the gospel freely. 
I said, let me just go to a country that I don't know anybody in. If the Sikh police take me, um, nobody will be affected. Well, my wife will be. Do you know your culture? Do you know how to speak to your culture? Do you know the problems of your culture? Do you know how to, uh, are you um, well-versed with the gospel enough that you can speak to the people that live around you? Are we passionate about, about that? Um, are pursuits of worldly things um, uh, that may not necessarily be sinful, but distracting is our greatest hurdle, enemy these days. We're unable to distinguish between what is good and what is best. I pray, Lord, that the Lord will help you today, that you would go back home and speak to the Lord and tell him, Lord, help me today to be able to be um, well-versed, knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ, be able to know my culture well, to be able to present the gospel clearly and boldly and effectively to the world around me. Thirdly, Paul says, um, the third point is our predominating attitude uh, in our lives is, is complaining. It's complaining. He says, with an attitude of thanksgiving. This is the ground. Uh, effective uh, evangelism and missions is to be thankful, to have contentment in your heart, not to be grumbling, not to be complaining, not to be grouchy, not, um, but to be thankful, to have an attitude of thankfulness. You know, Paul, of all people, should not be thankful. He wrote this letter when he was imprisoned. He was in prison, uh, you know, in verse... Um, um, three, he says, for which I have also been imprisoned. He was in prison when he wrote these letters. this letter. In verse 18, it says um, of the same, <clears throat> I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. We are full of complaining about anything and everything in our lives. We complain if our cable TV or internet connection is lost for a few minutes, um, some countries don't have electricity. We complain about water tasting funny. Complain, especially in California. Um, <clears throat> we complain about lengthy wait in driveways. We complain about 40 hours jobs, weather, flying, the toilet seat being lifted up, Facebook statuses, typos, and grammatical uh, errors. I know that my wife you know, get bothers by that. Someone liking us too much. Mondays. Dreadful Mondays. Waking up, uh, waking up in the morning. Complain about the sermon. It's too long, too short, medium. Jeremiah says, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Isn't that awesome? 
Does not that bring so much thankfulness and joy in our hearts? The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, does not cease, does not end. God's loving kindness poured out on us, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. In Colossians 1 and verses 12 and, uh, through 14, he says these, these things. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he, he, God, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. God rescued you. God rescued me. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Doesn't that bring so much joy, happiness to our hearts, that we are been rescued from the dominion of darkness? Before salvation, we had no clue that we're sinning against God. We had nothing that convicts our hearts that this sin is great before God. But man, God saved us while we were still sinners, unaware that we are in need of salvation. We cannot save ourselves. God came down and saved us, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, Brought us from darkness to life. We were dead and now we are alive. We were lost and now we are found in Jesus Christ. We should be the most joyful people on earth. You are justified before God. That you can rejoice and you can say there is no condemnation on those who are in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus paid it all. He was the sacrifice that died on the cross for your behalf. We, our hearts should be so joyful. God in his providence, he is taking care of every single thing in your life. He is sovereign over your life. Sovereign over your sin. Sovereign over all of your failures. He directs them for your good and his glory. One day, we will go to heaven. We will have eternal life. We will have eternal joy. We will be with God eternally. We should be the most thankful people on earth. We are unthankful about God's power in us to shape us and transform our lives. Therefore, we are think our lack of going and evangelizing and reaching out to the lost is because of this. Because we are ungrateful about God's power in us to shape us and transform our lives. I struggle with that. The wife that you gave me, right? Can't see in the midst of our trouble and struggles how God is working in our lives to transform our lives through the hard marriage. 
through the hard kids that the Lord gave us, through the hard job that God gave us to, um, to, to do. But God is working. God is transforming your life. He who began the good work in you. Well, it's not going to stop. He's going to continue to the end. Philippians 1.6. So go out and evangelize. The same power that works in you still works in the world. Like Paul says, you know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For through or in the, that gospel is the power of God to salvation to all who believe. I pray that we will be empowered to go out to preach the gospel boldly. If you want to be prepared for missions, remove any complaining because the mission um, field is hard. It's tough. It's not for sissies. It's for men, spiritually speaking. Um, I pray that the Lord will prompt your heart to be little evangelists for the Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the power of your word. Pray, Lord, that you would change our hearts, transform our lives according to your wisdom, Lord. Lord, here I am. Send me. Pray, Lord, that this would be the prayer of each one of us here. Here I am. Send us for your glory, Lord. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.